Welcome to the Always Never Right podcast, a podcast for Gen Xers who are getting to middle age and are wondering how the fuck that happened. I'm Jill Farrell. And I'm Gina Biggs. And tonight we want to talk about finances, both for Gen X and for our lovely millennial friends. Who in many ways have paved the way for us. I mean, if you think about it. You know, I have thought about it and I agree. But um, before we get into all that fun stuff, Jillian, please tell us about the drink of the week because it's beautiful. We are drinking a millionaire margarita tonight. It's basically a spice pear-based margarita. It's got a reposado tequila, pear nectar, a spice simple syrup, lime juice. It tastes like love in America. <laughs> Check out the website. I suppose it kind of tastes like love in Mexico. Yeah. But <laughs> I like to think of it as love in America. Um, it is on our website, alwaysneverwrite.com. The exact recipe's up there. You can join us while we discuss amongst ourselves. Mm. What do you think? Do you like it? It, it is very yummy. I I did rim the glass with the sugar and cinnamon mix, and I actually found Respirato tequila at our local Yuppie grocery store. Reposado uh, tequila. Re- what I say? Respira- you said Respirato. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, I've already started in. Um, but I found so much I'd never actually tried before, and I found some called. Um, oh gosh, what was it called? Pardon me. Hassong's um, tequila. And it's actually made in Mexico, you know, because the Yuppie grocery store sells this. It's actually made sure. in Mexico and s- bottled in Mexico and sent up here to a place apparently in Western Missouri for distribution. Sure. And well, I like Mexican it. Is where I think of when I think tequila. I know, right? Um, why not? But it uh, it's really good. It's got some nice smoky aftertones and the pear nectar. It took me three fucking stores to find that pear nectar. It's for super whatever easy reason. to find here. Like I just got it in the Mexican section. It comes in these little cans. It's like Goya brand or whatever. <laughs> super uh, easy. Not a problem. Oh, I fought for that pear and I love that pear. And um, yeah, so I enjoy it is the point of the story. Thank you. Okay. okay thanks. Bye. I'm glad you like it. And you? Um, Love it. I actually had kind of a version of this, and I tried to um, create it myself someplace else. Um, So that's where I kind of got the inspiration for this. And I think it is so many deliciouses. And that's why I wanted to make it. And so Millionaire Margarita, we hope you like it. Yay! Okay, so to kick us off, I actually have a millionaire story. Okay, that's, do it. That's not in my notes, but um, I remember when I was in high school, I uh, went to high school with this really cool guy named TJ. Well, I thought it was cool. I don't know that either of us were cool, but I considered him cool. I'm guessing not. Yeah, but anyway. Um, I mean, he, TJ might have been. I don't know him, but you? Mm. Nah, <laughs> fair play. Um Wait a minute. I can't say that. I forgot. Fair enough. Better. Good. Okay. Thank you. So um, anyway, I remember talking to him once because he was all about accounting and he loved accounting a bunch and he knew that's what he wanted. Definitively say he was not cool. Okay. Probably fair. Um, But I remember talking to him once and remember this is like the late 80s and he goes, you know, it's really not that unreasonable to think you could be a millionaire someday because with the rate of inflation, 
Eventually, we'll all have the potential to be millionaires, depending on how much we have in assets stored away. Okay, yeah, given that he was thinking about that in high school, probably not cool. I'm pretty sure that just based on that conversation alone, not cool. But no wonder we got along, right? But, you know, that's not to say that accountants aren't cool, because I have actually known some accountants and even actuaries who were pretty fucking cool. But they weren't like that in high school. (laughs) Fair. Um, I actually considered being an actuary for a while. I'm not even a little surprised. Yeah, very brief period, but still. Anyway, based on that, I remember being gobsmacked in the late 80s that me being a millionaire would ever be even close to a possibility. And you know what? He was freaking right, because here we are 30-odd years yeah, thir- oh, almost 30 years on, and it's not outside the realm of possibility, except for Gen Xers. Wait, are you a millionaire? No. Because oh. if you are, because you've been hiding something from me, because I yeah. am definitely not a millionaire. Fuck no, I'm not. But I know some of my contemporaries who probably, when you add up all their assets, like house, retirement plans, assets, inheritances, oh God, inheritances, <laughs> stocks, bonds. You didn't even have two yet. I know. God, I'm pathetic. I love this story. Tequila does this to me every I time. I love tequila to kill me. We're going to have to have more tequila drinks because Fuck. this is really fun. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. I so, like the story. So, but no, I mean, I have contemporaries who probably, when you add up all their assets, um, now I'm not putting liabilities in, but adding up all their access, they may very well have hit the millionaire point. It's not as hard as it was when we were kids is what I'm saying, which is pathetic because I'm nowhere fucking near that. Well, honestly, if you think about it, a million dollars isn't what it was when we were a kid. True. Very true. A million dollars doesn't do much for you nowadays. No, it really doesn't. I don't even know that having that in an IR, in IRAs or a pension fund would even give a comfortable pension anymore. And that's no, sad. I don't think so. I mean, think about think about how I, think about how your home, your mortgage, your pension, John the Brit's pension, all of those things added together. I think about me and T and our house and Millie and medical bills and all of that would, I mean, all of that together, we're probably coming close to a million. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, in student loans, I mean, student loans would be deficit, I suppose, but you yeah. know, you start putting things together and you yeah. figure the contents of your home and your home and your cars and all of that shit, you know, we're probably approaching, I know we're over a half a million. Yeah. Oh, I know if you, it's not braggy. It's just a statement of fact. Now it doesn't discount the liabilities, which are probably over a half a million. Also, uh, yeah, no shit. Yes. I'm still paying off my student loans while I'm accruing new student loans for, for kids. So, you know, that's uh fun, but okay. So, I've never disclosed what my job is. We all know it's being an attorney, but there is some finance work I do as part of my job. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the focus, but it's an important part of my job. So I'm always reading places like Market Watch and all that. Okay. Earlier this year, Market Watch put out an article that um, 
was kind of like I saw the headline and went, oh, yeah, they aren't wrong. Um, the the uh, headline of it was all the ways Gen X is financially wrecked. Now, I personally would have said financially fucked, but, you know, I understand. They can't really write that. Yeah, they can't. Market really. watch. Yeah, but it they, they aren't wrong. And I, I think this quote kind of encapsul- encapsulates it very nicely. Gen Xers now have the highest average debt burden of any generation. And thank you. We have very strong backs to hoist all this debt on. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a million percent true. And the reason is because we're carrying our debt, our children's debt, and in many times we're carrying our parents' debt as well. Yeah, that's right. Because we have aging parents. I I think, um, you know, my parents aren't boomers. I think they're what's called the silent generation because they aren't necessarily greatest generation either because I think they got to actually fight, got to, they actually did fight in World War II. Um, but actually one of my favorite pictures of my mom, it's really cute. She's like five years old. It was the middle of World War II and they just took a picture of her in front of <laughs> total war propaganda photo, quite frankly, but it's really adorable. She just looks all cute with this little white, knitted hood on and she's looking all um with her face in a very contemplative stare and there's american flag and a bomber (laughs) on the (laughs) background screen behind her it's an adorable picture but obviously mom didn't fight more war two because she was five yeah but um i think that puts her in the boomer now boomers post-world war two i'm pretty sure i think Oh, let's look it up, because I feel like Boomer includes people born during the war. Well, she was born just before the war. She turned five about halfway through the war. 1946 and 1964. So, yeah, my parents aren't Boomers either. Yeah, I think they're the silent generation. They're between the greatest generation and the Boomers. Yeah. So... But yeah, but you know, our, I think our parents were probably both very affected by the Depression, though, because they were growing up, born and growing up during the tail end of it, going into World War II and all that stuff. So it very much impacted their attitudes about money and about work ethic and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. But we still may end up carrying their debt, which is why we have an additional debt load on us. You know, if they pass and don't have a huge amount of assets, which many of them don't because there wasn't an opportunity for that, we end up having to pay off that debt load. Exactly. And especially because there's not Medicare, there's not Medicaid that really pays for a lot of their medical expenses to a certain extent. And if they have a significant illness or something like that, that that lasts into their, um, we'll just say, golden years. Mm. then they don't have anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had a um, relative who actually was a millionaire in the 80s. Um, (laughs) Though I want to make clear, my immediate family was not. (laughs) But but he was actually a millionaire in the 80s, never had children. And um, he was one of those old school guys who's like, I don't need to write a will. They know my intent. They know that I want it to go to this side of the family, so I don't need to write a will. Well, guess what? He died before his wife, who at the time he died had had a stroke and was uh, couldn't communicate anything, couldn't write a will on her own. Mm-hmm. So um, she, uh, you know, basically 
languished. Listen, languish. She languished in a nursing home for like the next five years, drained every last bit of money they had had together. Yeah. And when she finally passed, no one in the family got anything. And I'm not saying that it was their duty to no. supply that, but totally his intent was not met um, because right. he couldn't do that. And that, so even if, uh, what was my point? Even if you were a millionaire in the 80s, doesn't mean you're able to, doesn't mean you're passing anything on to your kids. To your kids. Right. So anyway. Um, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, but I uh, I was looking at stats, the average debt burdens by people in our generation um, rose by $12,000 between 2016 and 2019. And I just want to say, is that all? <laughs> wow, that doesn't seem like that much. I know, quite frankly, I'm like, really? I, you know, I bought a new car and, and uh, or I bought another car for 10000 in December 2015. And um I don't know. I mean, I know I incurred more than that in the following year. So, of course, that was my year on the road. Well, I still have a shit ton of debt with my student loans for my undergrad degree. And when I got, so my employer paid for, reimbursed me for my graduate degree. However, I had to do student loans in order to finance the graduate degree. So what they did is they would pay each semester at the end of the semester. Well, that doesn't help because I had to take the student loan. And then at the end of the semester, it wasn't like I could take that money and just like immediately pay it right back. Plus I had interest. So I basically used the money that they reimbursed me to pay other living expenses that I incurred during the course of the year. So all that happened is I increased, incurred more debt and ended up with just as much debt as I figured I would end up with basically doubled my debt. So now I have, I have like $60,000 in student loans Mm. and yeah, I'm paying on it and I'll pay it off eventually in my head. I pretend like that's, but yeah, you know, it's totally a thing. I mean, after, you know, when my husband came over from the UK, we quickly discovered that he wasn't going to get a job with a 20 year old IT degree. So, mm-hmm. especially a 20-year-old IT degree from, you know, England. Right. So, Because <laughs> we all know England is way older than America. That's right. So it goes and so up. if it's 20 years old in England, it's like 40 years old in America. Exactly. So we're, we're I think that's really sound logic. So, um, you know, so we sent him back to school to get an associate's and then a bachelor's degree. Yeah. And so we're now... When I, my student loans, I only have student loans from law school, but um, because I divorced not long after law school and was trying to get my financial life back together, I deferred those out and extended them over a 30 year period Mm -hmm. and uh, took several years worth of deferrals to get some things straightened out. So I'm still paying off my student loan debt, but I have it planned out now so that my debt, my student loan debt and my husband's student loan debt, because I never deferred his or consolidated it. It's all going to be paid off at about the same time. And what year is that? About the same time we start paying Nina's student loan debt. Oh, that's nice. Yay. You know, but that's okay. We want her to get a better start than what we had. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. But, um, you know, I mean, it is one other way. We're taking on 
other studs because uh, as much as my parents wanted to, they couldn't pay for my college. They couldn't pay for my wow. grad school. They paid ans- yeah, they paid ancillary expenses on the side, but they weren't in that position. Yeah, my parents weren't either. Yeah. So, and I know mom feels guilty about this to this day because occasionally all of us kids will get, she always does it for all of us at the same time, but we'll all get a random check in the mail going, here's money for you <laughs> for all the times I couldn't give you money. I'm like, oh, you're the cutest. So. I, don't ever, I don't ever get that. <laughs> we had, my sister and I both thought that when my dad passed, because he had an okay sized life insurance policy that we would get a little bit from that. Um, and it would have been really helpful for both of us, but that didn't come to pass. My mom kept all of that because she kind of needed it for living expenses and she hoped she would be able to move into an assisted care place, but still, even with that, didn't have the ability to do that. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And we're hoping that she'll be able to have somebody come in and help her out in the house that she's in. I keep trying to talk her into having somebody come and stay with her. Like she could have, I don't, I don't want to say a roommate, but she could have a college student come and live with her and not necessarily pay, but she could allow somebody to come and live with her part time. I mean, they would live with, live with her full time, but their room and board would be essentially taking care of the house. Well, yeah. And going grocery shopping and doing all the things she can't do and being there and checking on her and, you know, just being present in the home. And as a college student, I would have relished that opportunity. Oh, hell yeah. I would have completely done that, except for my mom's kind of a bitch, but whatever. (laughs) Other people kind of like her sometimes. You would have done that for someone else. Yeah, for somebody else who wasn't a bitch. Yeah, so there's that. Other people think she's not a bitch, so maybe she wouldn't be a bitch to them. Maybe. You never know. There's of course, then when I go visit, I would have to stay in a hotel. Aw, darn. <laughs> <Yeah>. Heartbreak. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> I got to admit, I've already thought about um, finish off, finishing off a part of our basement as like a very nice apartment and yeah. put it like a kitchenette down there so that when we're older, someone can just move in and, and make sure, you know, that the cats don't need us before someone yes. finds us. Well, we had intended to purchase a home and have my mom move in with us. And that was our plan. And, you know, plans go awry. So it wasn't like the best plan ever, but it was a thing that was going to happen. Yeah. And I got to admit, I am not sorry that plan fell through. (laughs) Because one of you would not be alive right now. And I'm guessing it'd be her. Well, I don't know. And as much as I stayed in a room a lot and uh, whatever. As much as I love you, it'd be really hard to visit you in jail all the time. I know. And we certainly wouldn't be podcasting. You could podcast from jail, right? I don't know. We'll have to check into that just in case. Can you podcast from jail? I know. Google. (laughs) Anyway. um, No, I think it's funny. The financial planners say, or Fidelity in particular says, by the age of 40, you should have three times your salary saved. And... (laughs) 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 I don't even have one time my salary saved. <laughs> I, know. I, I have half. I have like half my salary saved. I have like one fourth. <laughs> <laughs> like half my salary saved, and then I have like 
but I do get stock in my company. But here's the here's the shitty thing. Okay. So we get restricted stock units that vest out over a course of several years, which the second they vest, I obviously sell them <laughs> because I need the money. <laughs> so this is kind of what I get in lieu of a bonus. I get like a higher stock amount. Like this year I got $16,000 in stock, but it's restricted stock. So I can't even cash any of it in for six months. And then what I get is a percentage of it over the next four years. I get for every four year, for over the next four years, every six months, I get a percentage of it. Wow. Well, it's kind of like the, in some ways you think about it as like the bonus that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's like a retention bonus. Sort of. Like yeah. a six month retention bonus. And as long as I stay there at the company, I get it. If I died... T and Millie would clean up because it all immediately vests and they get that. And I'm like, wow, you guys would be like, you guys would have some good money if I died. Right. <laughs> like, because I get that every year I get a certain amount. Like one year I got 2000, one year I got 3000, one year I got 12 because I did really good. And this year I got 16 because they didn't want to give me a bonus. <laughs> so, you know, every year I get a certain amount and it vests over a certain number of years. So, Every six months, I get a little, like a tiny little bit of money. And they're like, here's a little bit of money for you. And I'm like, yeah, I can pay two bills. Yay. <laughs> Don't you think it's hilarious when um, you, you find out, like, like uh, my company, like, sells a specific life insurance. I don't know if yours does, too. But it's like, if you die... You can buy so that your family automatically gets like twice your salary. But yep. if you die on the job, they get three times your salary. No, mine's only twice your salary no matter what. Okay. Yeah, mine has the dying on the job thing. So I'm like, dear God, if I die early, please let me be at work. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, but you can also buy this accidental death and dismembership, dismemberment insurance. Like, did you ever think about like going into the coffee room and like chopping off the pinky? <laughs> Chopping off the tip of your pinky with the like paper cutter. Because you got like seventy five thousand dollars for the tip of your pinky. I haven't like, thought do about I that. Really need that pinky? I don't know. I don't feel like maybe <laughs> I do. I can probably live without it. <laughs> you know, you've given me something new to think about. But um, see if they have that at your work. I should. But now, if that ever <laughs> happens, they're gonna look at me with suspicion. <laughs> so. If you know about our podcast, it's <laughs> true story. Um, of course, my boss listens, but yeah, well, Sarah's on my side. No, I'm kidding. She, I would never ask her to Sarah do anything inappropriate. She wouldn't pay attention. She wouldn't know it. She would. And plus, you're a klutz, and you could totally like, you could be like, I was gonna do it, and then it happened anyway. <laughs> you know, that's true. I once knocked myself unconscious with a table leg. Anything could happen. I totally think that's true. Yeah. So anyway. No, and another stat I that was in that Market Watch article that cracked me up was the average debt tops 150,000. I'm like, really? Only 150,000? Does that include mortgages? Because if it doesn't include mortgages, I'm feeling really good about myself right now. <laughs> I know. Because I don't think like even even student loans. I don't think I'm at 150,000. It can't possibly include mortgages because. Then I feel really good about myself because I am under $150,000 in debt if you don't include my mortgage. 
Okay, tequila messed me up enough that I meant to say it has to absolutely com, uh, contain mortgages because otherwise, no I, don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to do some more research later because um, Market Watch wasn't terribly clear. But but mortgages in some places are so high. In some places, but I guess if, if you most places are well over one hundred and fifty thousand. True. I remember practically choking on a skittle when I found out what I'd have to pay for a house <laughs> here. Choking on a skittle. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was the best I could think of. But uh, no, the, the, the article ended on the high note. We are more likely than any other generation to say we can't meet our financial goals. So at least we're all in it together, buds. Hooray, bankruptcy. Yay, reality you know, does bite. I honestly think maybe this is just me, but... I have friends who have done bankruptcy. I have friends who are considering bankruptcy. And I think if you've given it your best shot and you have tried really hard and you just can't meet that, it's especially if it's something like after a divorce or something like that and you realize I was barely holding it together when I was married and I had a two-income thing and now I'm stuck, Hmm. I get it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I have to I have to wash my hands and I can't do it. Oh. You know, there's a lot of penalties that you pay for bankruptcy. Yeah, you're absolved of all your debt. But for the next 10 years, you're basically either not going to get a loan or you're going to pay through the nose for that loan. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I think that it's not like you're getting away scot-free. Yeah. I know, part of me wishes after my marriage ended in 2002 that I had just declared bankruptcy because I, even though we we split our debt equitably in that divorce, I knew I was paying it all off because of it was it was most of it except for our student loan debt, all of it was joint. Yeah, and I'm like, he's he's not going to pay it. I am, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. He didn't pay yep. it. I yep. did. Um, well, I remember you and I talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to get a house and that was the only thing that kept me from pulling the trigger. But you know, you could have gotten the house and still done the bankruptcy, get the house and then do the bankruptcy because they can't take your house. True. But, uh, the way it ended up, I'm, I'm glad I did it the way I did, but it probably made life a lot harder in the long term. It probably did. And it's not an easy solution. Just like when we talked about the weight loss surgeries, the bariatric surgery is not an easy solution. It's a tool to help you start fresh. Yeah. And Which the same thing with bankruptcy. Speaking of, on November 8th, I'm having excess skin removed. I'm excited about that for you. Me too. Now, get only insurance will only cover a panelectomy, which is basically taking the apron off. That's um, cool. So boobs aren't getting lifted. Arms are still going to be like I can fly, all that stuff. But on the upside, if you could fly, that would be really cool. I know, right? Maybe I can be you like a flying be squirrel. Happy that you didn't get that taken care of. True. Um, but uh, they went through a whole bunch of cost options, and I've, if I combined other procedures with it, because they're uh-huh. like, you can save six hundred and seventy-nine dollars, which is the cost of the overnight stay. If you do this, and then your total price is only 18000 if you have Holy like, fuck. the boob lift and the arm thing and all this. And I'm like, <laughs> that's cute. Give me the cheapest possible option. And, uh, you know, because if I'm saving at this point, 
with my level of debt and everything, if I'm saving $679, oh, fuck that. It's not worth it. No. If that's no. all you're saving, no. If they were like, you saved $9,000, you'd be like, hmm, maybe. <laughs> I know. If I was going to buy buy. Ugh. If I was going to borrow against my retirement, it'd be to pay off some debt at a lower interest and not to have my wings clipped. Absolutely. Which is exactly what I've done recently, by the way. That's an option. And I've managed to consolidate a lot of debt into a very small monthly payment by borrowing against my retirement. And and I want to credit Jill for this. She's the one who told me this was even a thing, which I feel like a dumbass for not realizing. But you pay the interest to yourself. Your interest goes to you. You're paying your own interest. So Mm -hmm. even though you're missing out on whatever increase you would get for the money that you are taking out, like whatever that money would have been invested in, you're missing out on that. But whatever, man, I'll pay myself some interest and use that money. I'm getting ready to just take out a loan. I just paid off a 401k loan. Getting ready for all that to hit, and I'm going to redo that and pay off a bunch. And, you know, like I said, I'm not a market expert by any means, but I've been watching the markets for years because of my job, and I'm convinced we're on the verge of another recession, just based on history. Yeah. And um, so I'm like, if I take a loan against my 401k now, okay, I'm really not going to miss out on anything by the time I get it paid off. True that. So, and I could be wrong, in which case, you know, all the experts I deal with will laugh their asses off at me, and that's okay. Yeah. But that's, that's the way it is. Yeah, it sucks, but that's just how the world works. I know. Man, when I was 17, talking to TJ about becoming a millionaire, I never, ever thought I'd give a shit what the market was doing on a day-to-day basis. Here I am. What's TJ yeah. doing now? Um, last I heard, he was um, he was a, probably he was living in Europe for quite a few years, and um, he was an accountant at a high at a very multinational company for quite some time. And I remember going, "Damn, TJ, you done good." So good for TJ, mm. but he's not on Facebook, so I can't stalk him. Damn it. Mm. So weasel. Anyway, since I'm the type of person who has to find, you know, lead, I usually lead with the positive and then go into negative. But this time I've led with the negative and I'm going to go into positive. I do think at, at least the headline is very life affirming. I found a CNBC article um, that was basically CNBC says that Gen X are the, quote, forgotten financial superheroes, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> that appealed to me on a how's, lot of levels. How's that even a thing? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, well, basically, we hold the power and the influence as the smallest and most overlooked generation. So I feel like we're the I feel like we're the generation that everybody talks about the most. You would think, but you know, in some ways. I almost feel like we are the, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. We are kind of the um, Jason Momoa Aquaman of the DC Universe. Oh, that sucks because that was a terrible movie. I love that movie. Really? I did. I just like looking at it, but I didn't think it was a very well done movie. 
But it was very, it was, it was, okay, Jason Momoa's in it. Looking at it's all I did. <laughs> yeah, well, he's super pretty. He is but a pretty, mean pretty it's a quality movie. Uh, but I still, okay, plus, you know, we just come off Justice League. I liked Justice League. <laughs> we need to talk later. Why do you like Justice League? Um, I I didn't not like it. I just didn't love it. Wonder Woman was in it. Wonder Woman kicks ass no matter what because she's Any phenomenal. Wonder Woman's in. Hello. I think what pissed me off about Justice League was they are like, oh gosh, Wonder Woman's meeting Cyborg in an alley. Let's do a butt shot of her. You know, and they were a little too a butt shot. Oh, they did a like a really long glorious. I mean, not that she doesn't have a glorious butt, but they did she a really does. long shot on her ass and i'm like you know the wonder woman movie itself was far kinder to woman wonder woman than justice league was plus that's because a girl did it i know which coming back to you notice how the amazons are dressed between the two movies i Um, thought they were wearing the same outfits oh no they were way skimpier in justice league i didn't see that i didn't pay attention when i mean it's kind of like when we used to play everquest what fucking warrior really bears their midriff? That's true. That's true. There's a lot of EverQuest-y kind of things. That's the one thing in my the game I play called Terra. Like, I really like the game, but the things that the people wear, I'm like, what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> I know. It's so funny sometimes. I'm like, why would you wear that to fight in? That's not even realistic. But I'm really into getting disemboweled on a regular basis. It's fun. I couldn't wear that to fight in. First of all... It would go right up your butt all the time. And second of all, wouldn't that fall off? Like, how would you wear that? And why is that one shoulder bigger than the other one? That's weird. That is weird. Where was I starting with this? I don't know. Oh, because I compared us to Aquaman. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't feel like we're Aquaman. But only the Jason Momoa Aquaman. Well, he kicked butt in Justice League, well, right? Okay, so yeah, he kicked butt in Justice League, but Aquaman in general, is the shittiest superhero. So right. I don't want to be the Aquaman generation. And, okay, that's my point, though. Um, well, part of my point. I, I'm totally excluding the typical Aquaman because he is a dumbass and is useless. Yay, I can talk he to talks fish. He talks to fish. I know. But when you look at Justice League, I mean, okay, the scene when Jason Momoa sat on the Lasso of Truth was fucking hilarious. That was awesome. That was awesome. He's all, I basically think we're all going to die. I know. We actually just watched Justice League like yesterday. Oh, nice. <laughs> no wonder it's so fresh. <laughs> no, but I think when you look at just the just, okay, so I'm going to narrow this to a point where you cannot disagree with me. Damn it, I'm going to find a way because I can't think of a better analogy right now. But yeah, we are the Jason, we are the movie Justice League. We are Jason Momoa and Justice League. Okay. We are overlooked just because we're fucking Aquaman. I'm nah. sorry, what are we talking about? <laughs> we're middle children. We're the middle child. All right. We're the we're middle right. child. But that we're, doesn't, I'm like, we're Jan Brady, whatever. I know, but we're right she between. Was, Jan Brady was still a badass. She was, but how many people, how, how what does that have to do with money? How many scriptwriters even realize that? And I'm getting to that. I swear to God, I'm getting to that. I feel like you're not. When you look at the boomers, everyone talks about the boomers, partially because they're all retiring now and they're fucking up our shit, right? By leaving the marketplace. 
and retiring and they're taking all, so, all our social security and all our institutional knowledge. And we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that because no one documented anything while they were doing it. They just did it for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And then we have the millennials who are teaching us so much about how so much more in some ways than the boomers did because the boomers taught us a great work ethic. But the millennials are teaching us how to have lives outside of work. And how to reconfigure and rethink what the workplace could be like so that we can or be should be like or should be like so we can be healthier people overall. It's really cool. But we're stuck in the middle. We're like torn by that boomer work ethic and we're torn by the have a life millennials. And but at the end of the day, we're like a small generation who has to support both of them who are bigger than us. Because um, there's more millennials and there's more boomers. Sure. Sure. There's a shit ton more boomers. So we're raising millennials and trying to pay for them. And we're taking care of our parents. Everyone depends on us. So we better be fucking financial superheroes or everyone dies. (laughs) (laughs) Or everyone dies. Or everyone dies. You better fucking be nice to us. Um, What's going to be the name of this episode? Financial superheroes or everyone dies. (laughs) You know, I think I'm going to make a note of that. Oh, man. I don't know if everybody actually dies, but... I know. But enough. Enough do. Well, here's something playing right into that, actually. Um, So the CNBC article also said that we're the primary beneficiaries of $48 trillion in wealth expected to transfer from boomers over the next 25 years. I'm sorry. How the hell do we think that wealth is transferring? I'm, I'm not a primary beneficiary of pretty much anything. Uh, well, silent generation, but you know, um, but seriously, I'm not getting anything. Nobody's going to die and leave me anything. Yeah. Well, that sucks. So you (laughs) took the wind out from under me, but I, I read that article as basically saying when our parents die, our financial lives get better. And that's a really suck trade off. Is it? Well, in my case, not necessarily in yours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of people who would not say that's a suck trade-off, but I don't know. I mean, how many people how many people truly have parents who are going to leave money to them? That's, like, how many parents truly have a lot of money to leave? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I so. mean, think about your parents' friends, your parents, your husband's parents think about your ex-husband's parents and his new wife's parents do they have money to leave um well no um i and i know my mom feels very guilty for being one of the few farm widows in the area who like can actually afford to have things when she sees all of her friends kind of floundering like isn't most of hers tied up in land yeah, land. And, and so then your inheritance would depend on that land and either selling that land or renting it out or whatever. And, you know, to be honest, is that land in an area where there's a lot of demand? You know what, though? Land prices are friggin nuts right now don't ask me why i know this because i can't get into it um and this is not where i'm from but in iowa right now um prime farm ground is going from between 14 to 19,000 an acre sure but in other places it's not 
No, but in what my mom's area, it's still going for like nine grand an acre. That's now, but what? Where's it going to be in five years? Or if she passes in ten years, where's it going to be? Is it going to be more? Or is it going to be less? What's weird? It has consistently gone up because in the eighties, it was like two hundred an acre. No, then and I'm like. Hopefully when that happens and, and you have the ability to do that, you may make whatever decision you you feel is best for you and your family. But then that still isn't involved. It's not just a you automatically have this money like, boom, here you go. Yeah. And I may be a 47-year-old woman, but I hope that's at least 50 years from now because I still want my mommy. I know. I know. But you and I both know it's probably not going to be 50 years from now. Yeah. But let me live in happy oblivion for a little bit longer. That's cool, but I'm pretty sure your mom's not going to live to be 140. She might. You never know. She's a tough. She's a tough ass bitch in her own little mild way. Okay, so let's move on from dead. Okay, parents. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like the CNBC article very much. Acknowledged that we're our parents' care- caregivers and we're our kids' caregivers, and no matter which direction it goes in, we're going to have anxiety about it. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is, we talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about, like, my week with my mom being in the hospital and and Millie having all these issues. This is still kind of rearing its head where my mom is still in the hospital and is probably going to be moving into a, um, like, a rehabilitation thing for, like, physical rehab and stuff like that. Not, like, they tried to make me go to rehab and I said, no, no, no. It's not like that. It's going to be like more like a physical thing. No, the but, other one adds more for my ex, not for yeah. your mom. Well, it would be good for her sometimes, I think, because she's mm. on like 28 prescriptions. Like, seriously, I Thanks. counted them. <laughs> she's on 28 prescriptions. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but between that and all this stuff with Millie this week, uh, I couldn't go up to be with her. And now she's getting ready to move into rehab. But I can't leave Millie right now. So... Yeah. You know, there's not a lot I can do. And, of course, my mom feels like she really wants me to be there because my sister, as wonderful as she is, is just not as forceful as I am. And and I would be like, look, nurses, do this shit, get this done. Um, you know, and, and my sister just can't quite muster the, the, uh, <laughs> the jillness to do it. <laughs> We all want that chillness spark. Sometimes it's a thing, but it's, it's um, not something for everybody. She's very sensitive, you know, my sister and she's kind hearted and, and very sweet. And it's hard for her to sort of lay down the line sometimes. And so it's always fallen to me to be the one to manifest things. And right now she has to be the one, but she's going through a lot herself personally and as well as with her husband. So she just doesn't have the wherewithal to do it either. And she's got her kid to take care of. Fuck adulting sucks sometimes. It does. So, you know, we just have all of this stuff going on and and can't. I can't go up there. I just can't. I have to prioritize and Millie is my priority. As she should be. And mom's just going to have to deal. And she gets kind of pissed at me. And I'm like, well, you know, Millie's my kid and I have to deal with this. And this is more important. And I I won't obviously say more important to her, but I will say right now I have to be here with Millie. And mom, mom will be like, well, of course I understand that. I'm like, do you? Because I feel like maybe you don't. 
<laughs> no. And I got to admit, that always confounds me when people don't go, well, of course, you know, the next generation who's going to be um, inheriting everything we leave to the world is more important than I am. I don't understand that. But, yeah. oh, well, anyway. So there's that. <laughs> she spent our entire time on the phone today telling me about how on Thanksgiving, she feels like after she goes to my sister's house for Thanksgiving, she's going to come home and be lonely at her house. And I'm like, but you get to go to her house for Thanksgiving. And like, why you're complaining about what happens after that? And you come home and you go to bed, like whatever. I really think your mom <sighs> and my grandma were related. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, somehow, some way. Oh, well, you've taken my mom's route, though, and breaking the cycle. I'm not going to be that. You're not. You're not going to waste your shot. So <laughs> I'm not giving away my shot. There you go. <laughs> no, we are. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I think it's kind of important at this point to note that Gen Xers, and I know we aren't the only generation, but Gen Xers, I think we're very uniquely taken for a ride by the markets. So, and again, I'm like, what do you mean I'm, by that? I'm a market fan. Um, but, you know, do you like really follow them strongly? No, I, I legit do. It's I follow only my stocks. Uh, I, I look at everything because it impacts our business. So, oh. See, I don't give a shit about the rest of it. I'm like the finance type attorney at my place at work. When there's a question, they're all like, oh, so what do you think of this? And I'm all, oh, well, I think we're about to head into a recession. And I'm all, I know this shit. That's weird. Oh, my God. <gasps> oh, so fuck. funny to me I'm, that you know that stuff. I know, right? <laughs> or do you actually know it or do you just like make it up? Do you just like listen to what the talking heads say and you just like parrot that? No, I, I legit follow stuff and try to look for signs. What are the signs? Well, I mean, um, like looking at tea leaves and stuff. You're like, oh, this one looks like a plane. That means we're going on a trip. <laughs> I pull, I pull out my dowsing rods and, uh, you know, well, you know, I, let me put it this way. We have an expert that we hire to do certain trend analyses for us. And I look at the trend analyses and he's the one who's mostly supposed to look for the patterns and what certain things in the market are doing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, I remember last time the Dow went this high. It was right before a recession and that kind of thing. So mm. I I do. I have like a cheat sheet at work of signs I look for just in case. So That's incredible to me that you you do that. I spread you. And me are friends and you and me like go shopping and stuff. And like the fact that you would do that is so weird to me. Like the fact that you're like this high powered attorney is crazy to me. Anyhow, <laughs> it's crazy to me every fucking day. And the fact that I'm like all about spreadsheets and I actually create Gantt charts at work just Ooh, makes Gantt me go. Charts. What the hell? So, yeah, I'm like, this is so not me. Because I remember I pivot tables. Go, yeah, I'm learning how to do a pivot table right now. So I'm going to accurately reflect a, uh, reflect a five-year outlook on certain needs we have. Oh, I have to do KPIs. Oh, KPIs. Oh, my gosh. We're fucking adults. I'm kind of scared. It's so weird. It is weird. But 
Yeah, I yeah I do financial. Yes. People listen to what I say and I tell them, I'm like, you need to do this. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they do it. And that makes me go, why are you listening to me? <laughs> That's craziness and kind of awesome. The oh, fact yeah. that anybody ever looks to me as an authority figure just blows my mind. <laughs> Which I think is another, th- yeah, I know. Cause yeah, it's freaky. I'm like, I know I don't know what I'm talking about, but you actually believe me. Right. And I like sledding. <laughs> we got beats <laughs> that just seemed like a random thing to say but there we go <laughs> well it's just like one of those things like doesn't seem like people who are authority figures go sledding and I wouldn't I would totally go sledding I know I I'm always like oh yes well you know I am a corporate attorney who deals with financial stuff and all this stuff all the time and in my spare time I play Dungeons and Dragons with my husband and 11 year old <laughs> Right? I like online gaming and I go antique shopping and I make some drinks and hang out with my friends and I go shopping and I like candy. There you go. And, and I choke on Skittles. Mm-hmm. You know, hearkening back to an earlier statement. Anyway, yeah. no, but it's kind of funny the place we're in, I think. Where, you know, we we eked by the dot-com bubble. We survived the 2008 housing crisis. We've had the longest bull market in history. We have shit tons of student loan debt. Oh, Lord. We always worry about what are we going to be able to leave to our kids. And hopefully it's a good attitude about hard times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't worry about leaving money. Like, hope you got a good job, baby. (laughs) I know. I'm like, oh, I got some keepsakes. I'll get two of them so each kid gets one. That's because that's all you're going to get when I kick it. <laughs> Unless I die on the job, in which case your college is paid for. <laughs> Yay, you. <laughs> Yay. You, you really want me to die at work, kids? Don't push me down a stairwell, though. Yep, that's a thing. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that's where we are. Gen X is an interesting you know, like I said, I just keep coming back to you. Reality does bite. Uh-huh. The movie did not lie. Nope, they were right. They were very right. But, you know, there was this thing in the news this week about, like, Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos, and Kelly Ripa called her son poor. Really? Because, yeah, because he's out working his first job. He's living in his own apartment. They're not paying for anything. And she said, this is his first experiment with extreme poverty. They're literally not paying for anything. And he's having to live on his own salary. And he's probably pretty fucking poor because that's what first out of college salaries are like. Wow. And she got a lot of shit for that because that's, it might be not, quote, extreme poverty, but by comparison to what he's used to, it would seem like extreme poverty. He he wouldn't really have the ability to function in that. Like, he has to take the subway to go do his laundry. Oh, wow. Wow. So to him, of course, that would seem like extreme poverty. It's such a vast difference from where he was in his world. Okay, that, that makes sense. And she said... She got a lot of shit for it. And she's like, look, we both worked our whole lives. We worked coming up and we expect our kids to work. Which is fair. 
And I thought, good for you. That's called parenting. Yes. And when it comes right down to it, I'm not really, I mean, this sounds super shitty. My mom's not going to leave me a lot. Like I said, I had hoped I'd get a little bit of something from my dad's life insurance, but I didn't. So whatever, my mom needed that to live. So I want her to take that to live. And I feel fairly confident that I'm not going to get anything when my mom passes. So whatever, as long as I'm not left with a huge amount of debt when she passes, that'll be pretty satisfactory. And so my goal is to not leave Millie with a lot of debt. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's a decent goal. My goal is to leave just enough that they can pay for my burial. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want you to have debt left over and pay for my cremation and whatever you want to do. Like take a trip and toss me in the ocean, whatever. I don't even fucking care. But when it comes right down to it, you're probably not going to get a lot out of me because I'm not worth that much. <laughs> I yeah, would have double my salary is not going to do a lot for you. Cause I don't make that much. <laughs> I want to be shot into space because I was too chicken shit to ever entertain that while alive. And I'm totally kidding. I have no desire to be shot into space. So I want to be buried in next in the same little surrounded by farm ground. Uh, I don't grave. want to be buried. Buried's creepy to me. Mm. I want to be buried near where my dad is buried. That's a nice place. Your dad's it, place is nice. It is nice. It's surrounded by farmland. And that's peaceful too. Do you want me. your kids to come visit you? I don't care if they come visit me because I'm not going to be there. Yeah, you'll be dead. Just my shell. Yeah. So I'll be with them. Yeah. I'll be haunting their asses. Hell yeah. So I'll be going, AJ, you need to brush your teeth before you go to bed. <laughs> Nina, I really think you were too hard on your kid tonight. You need to go apologize in the morning. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do when I die. I'm going to yeah. haunt my children. If I were buried, I wouldn't want anybody to come visit me. I'm like, you don't, that's weird. Don't do that. That's weird. Yeah. You got better things to do. Yeah. Like not leaving your children with the financial burdens I'm leaving you with. <laughs> right. <laughs> Congrats, millennial children. Have a blast. Hope oh, you enjoy wait. it. Is AJ a millennial or is he Gen? Oh, he's Gen Y, isn't he? He's, he might be Gen Y. I need to look that up on a chart sometime. Oh, kind of like my my mother had both boomers and Gen Xers. Of course, mom had children in three different decades, but I have them in two different millennia, so I win. Haha, <laughs> that's creepy. I know. Uh, so look up, yeah, look up the. the I'm looking um, it up right now. Awesome. By the way, uh, another thing I think is the um. Uh, They're I Gen probably... Z. Millie and AJ are both Gen Z. Okay. 1996 to 2010. Okay. Okay. There we go. So I thought I'd get into the inverted yield curve a little bit, but I think I'll Let's get not. out of that. Let's not. Let's not. Okay. Ready? But ready. Should we wind Should we... this bad boy up, madam? So. Yeah. Yeah. So now that okay. we've depressed all our friends about what the financial future looks like, yay, Gen X! <laughs> yay. We win! Yay. And having Gen Z kids, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, so Nina is Gen Y. Oh, no. Hold on. Okay. I'm so confused. They've really There's given us... so a many. Name. There are. I don't understand. Right. They're making this hard for Gen X. Here we go. Gen X, 1965 to 1979. Millennial, 1980 to 1994. 
Okay. Oh, so I have a millennial nephew. Gen Z, 1995 to 2015. Okay. So my children are Gen Z. You have two Gen Zs. I have two Gen Zs. Whereas mom had three boomers and a Gen Xer. So, but that's neither yeah. here nor there. Gen Y is 80 to 94. Yeah. Okay. Gen wow. Y and millennials are the same thing. Ah, okay. Oh, so my dental school nephew is a millennial. <laughs> I'll give him shit about that later. He'll love it. Well, now that we've spelled that out for everybody. You're welcome. Kind of, <laughs> we kind of crushed this, right? We got the We got the financial part of this all figured out. Damn straight. So your research skills are pretty amazing. No, they aren't. But thank you very much for your kind compliment. Because <laughs> it is my lot in life to fool people and to think that I'm a brilliant researcher. <laughs> yeah, well, you did pretty good. So anyhow, we want to thank our listeners for listening every week. Our website's alwaysneverwrite.com. You can see the topics for each episode along with what we're drinking. There are also links there to our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and all that on our Contact Us page. And if you haven't already subscribed, please consider subscribing to us and maybe suggest it to your friends, too. And if you have time, leave us a very nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, because that does help us get more listeners, and we appreciate it immensely. Absolutely. This has been another typically irreverent take on a very deep topic for an episode of Always... Never. Right. I am Jill. And I'm Gina. And thank you again so much for making us a part of your week. And we'll talk again more next week, my dolls. Standard disclaimer. Always Never Write is in no way, shape, or form performed or produced by professional advice givers. We've just lived a lot. So if any of our life experiences prove useful, we're happy to share, especially if we can share in an entertaining way. But if you have serious problems, please see a therapist, doctor, psychiatrist, life coach, or someone who is actually trained to know what the hell they're doing when passing out advice. Also, please note that most names and the descriptions of many events have been modified to both make things more entertaining and to protect the innocent, the not-so-innocent, and the flat-out guilty as sin assholes.